Awesome, wow. man. Uh, I have a question, though. What's going on with Hulk Hogan's hair? It's blonde, and yet it's silken, like that of a Chinese man. Ah, yes. Uh, that is Hulk Hogan's signature look. Blonde Chinese hair and the skin of a hot dog. It's awesome. Uh, the whole thing's fake, but it's really awesome. Fake? What the hell are you talking about, fake? It's not fake. Those guys got bashed and bloody. I've seen guys get pounded in the ring. It's still fake, though, dude. That's, Charlie, that's... Charlie. I was there once. I saw a guy pick up a trash can, smash it into a guy's head. Blood uh, went everywhere. Okay. What is going on here? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Okay. Right here, he's going into a state of Hulkamania. Yeah. Okay, now when he's like this, nothing can hurt him. Okay? It's like a seizure of strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. We got here. Hey, sexy, I can't get you out of my mind. Who's that addressed to? It's... Who's Soldier of Fortune? He's just this guy I've been chatting online with. Whatever. Uh, oh, so that would make you Desert Rose? Yes, it would. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a couple of losers. Oh, oh, really? Okay, well, this loser that you're referring to happens to be an American soldier in Iraq. Back it up. Oh. Don't. Don't joke about it. I'm not that. joking. Are I'm you not serious? I'm dead serious, and this platoon's coming home this weekend, and we're gonna hang out together, so suck on that. Yeah, I feel terrible. Yeah. yeah. You should. I feel terrible, too, because he's gonna come back from Iraq, and he's gonna find out that he's been chatting with... No. And then oh, that's yeah. no, no good. I There's mean, a that's... high suicide rate for these guys. Oh, it's gonna be crushed. This is emblematic of a bigger problem, guys. I don't think people are proud to be Americans anymore. You know, not like we were in the 80s. Oh, in the 80s, we were so patriotic. Oh, man, when Hogan was doing his thing mm -hmm. and we were killing Iranians or yeah. whatever. I mean, like, we were proud. Well, there's no fanfare. There's no praise. Oh, oh, no yeah. girls are tricking troops on the internet. Nobody's tricking anybody. You know, they, they, we got to do something about this. Because people just start showing their appreciation for these guys. Right. Got to show them the love. We got to do something. Let's step it up. Let's be the guys to do something for the troops. Let's put on a show or something. Right. You know? Something with a little, little pizzazz, you Like know? a thank you yes, for all your service. Yeah, Something that celebrates the troops, celebrates America, maybe celebrates us. I'm into that. Bro. I know you are, dude. <laughs> What's the best way to celebrate America, boys? Hulk Hogan is a man possessed for the love of his country. Nineties Wrestling Podcast. The Wrestling Podcast takes you back to the glory years of the WWE, the nineteen nineties. I'm your host James Dunsnow. Joining me once again, my co-host Kevin. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing amazing today. How are you doing today, James? Very good. And they, uh, we're recording this on the fourth of July, so a happy fourth of July to you. Yes, indeed, and that is really important because we're doing World Rumble '91. And uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later on, this actually this Royal Rumble is really heavily invested in patriotism to the United States. So um, I think it's only uh, fitting that we actually ended up doing this pay-per-view. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, like you said, there's so much patri uh, patriotic themes throughout the show. So, yeah, quite ideal, really. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, uh, so for everyone today, we are reviewing Royal Rumble 91, which I'll be honest, Kevin, um, I've been looking forward to this one because this is the very first wrestling show I ever watched. Really? Yeah. Um, oh. my, fa my father was a wrestling fan. He had the video cassettes lying about and he had this and I stuck it in the video player and uh, it came on and I must have been about three year old and after watching the show, I fell in love with wrestling. So, um, yeah, it's uh, going to be very fun going back to memory lane and, uh, watching the show what's uh, spiked my love of uh, wrestling. That's amazing. This is a pay-per-view that I 
had never seen before, like a lot of the ones we're reviewing, because um, I was only two years old when it came out, I guess, or maybe one years yeah. old. Um, so this is definitely kind of a newer thing for me, which is always fun. I get to see the exact nuances in the ring and out of these different uh, guys that I grew up, you know, idolizing to one degree or another. Um, kind of like an Ultimate Warrior, for example, who's, you know, obviously in this pay-per-view. Um, I get to see a good bit about him, and that's uh, a pretty cool experience for me. So I can share with you that, that kind of wide-eyed sense when watching it. Cool. So, yeah, it's the Royal Rumble 1991. It was on the 19th of January. It was held in the Miami Arena in Miami, Florida. It was packed out, 16,000 fans. In the rest of the media world at the time, number one in the box office, uh, believe it or not, is still Home Alone. People love that movie, man. I can tell you. that. Like, I think it's Pesci. I'm going to give it to Pesci. That's why. It was so great. And Macaulay Culkin was an adorable little kid. <laughs> I didn't realize... How I knew it was a big film. I didn't realize how big of a film because obviously we just reviewed Survivor Series, which was Thanksgiving. So this was like number one. The box office was solid two months. Oh yeah, especially because the movie's based around Christmas and stuff too. So it's I think I could understand why people would uh would be would really be appealing to it, or it would appeal to them over the Christmas holidays, um, all the way into uh, January and so and around that time. Yeah, and um, in the music charts, um, in the US charts, it's not Mariah Carey who's at number one. It's uh, Janet Jackson with Love Will Never Do, and on top of the UK charts is Queen with Innuendo. I don't think I've ever heard of either of those songs. <laughs> I, I haven't. I'm a big Queen fan, but I've never heard of Innuendo, so I'm going to have to uh, check it out. And, is Freddie uh, Mercury dead by that point, you think? I think he died in 93. I'm not sure. Um, gotcha. might have been, I think it was a couple of years before, and I might be wrong, but that's uh, for some reason 93 is in my head for some reason. So um, that's what I think. Um, but yeah, and in the video game world, uh, we was a few days away from the release of uh, Webbings. I don't know if you ever played that. No. Oh, that's a great game. Uh, you basically had the guy do these little characters like three stages. It was fun. Mm-hmm. But we was also two weeks away from the release of Street Fighter 2 in the arcades. Oh, that was a good game. I, I had played that, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Who's your favorite just, Street Fighter character? I want to know. Um, I'm probably just going the generic and say Ryu. Uh, Ryu, yeah. Ryu and Ken were, uh, were pretty good ones. I, uh, I, to this day, I have a massive crush on Chun-Li. So uh, <laughs> to this day, Chun-Li owns my heart. Although I did always have, uh, I always thought Blanca was pretty cool too. Did you ever check out the uh, movie? Uh, I did the one, the one in the nineties with like Jean Claude Van Damme and stuff. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, saw that, and I can't remember his name. The guy who played Gomez Adams in the Adams Adams oh, family, I think it was Julian something. Uh, Raul Julia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That guy. First of all, that guy. I love that guy as an actor. Although I think he died young. So I didn't, you know, unfortunately, you don't get to see too much from him. But him is uh, Bison. What was his name? Bison, that- yeah. Bison, Bison, perfectly. Yeah, him is Bison. I mean, that was probably my favorite thing from the whole thing. Otherwise, it was it was trash. It was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, it was just very cheesy. Um, he actually said the reason he done that film was because his um, his kids was like massive Street Fighter fans, uh, and um, that's why he done it. And 
there is the one movie quote he does in the, in the uh, movie, and uh, he's talking to Chun Li, uh, and uh, apparently Bison like ransacked uh, village and like killed a father in that. And uh, he says to Chun Li, he said, "You see, I don't remember it." For you, that day is the day where General Bison came and all his troops and destroyed your village. But to me, it was just Tuesday. Ooh, that's a savage line if I ever heard one. <laughs> it was awesome. Jeez. But yeah, it's a cheesy film, but I enjoy it. So uh, that's just me. But yeah, uh, but as we get back to the show, in the dark match, um, Jerry Sags of the Nasty Boys defeated uh, Sam Houston in the uh, dark match. And, uh, yeah, we go into the Royal Rumble. Uh, It's time for Rumble! It's time for the Royal Rumble! Participants include the immortal Paul Hogan, the hitman Bret Hart, Animal from Legion of Doom, The Undertaker, The Tugboat, The Model Rick Martell, Anthem opens the show, and then we hear another a throat tear in the Vince intro, and I love this Royal Rumble theme song. Oh yeah, that was a good one. I I enjoyed listening to it. I mean, I, these old like cheesy intros back in the day. I mean, it really does like you how you open this podcast. It it's what I do feel when you it brings me back to kind of the glory days of. I don't know. It just it just feels like obscene '90s wrestling when the intro hits, even more than while I'm watching the matches. Yeah, and uh, like I can re- I, I remember fondly the Royal Rumble theme. It's like do 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 do. Mm-hmm. I always remember that one. Then you got SummerSlam and WrestleMania had the one like my favorite is the ones that they started using that WrestleMania night. Um, mm-hmm. 
But I can never really remember the uh, Survivor Series one, but I would love it if they just uh, bring them back. But obviously, I know they like bringing in recording artists now to, uh, you know, revenue, basically. But I love uh, the old school. But, yeah, we... Uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I always... I have to jump in and say this, because it's going to drive me nuts if I don't talk about it. I always think of this old, like, the, the songs from the early 90s they did, but it was in 93, I think, when, yeah. you know, like, they had that WrestleMania tune, like you mentioned. I remember they had like an album where Macho yeah. Man basically played a bunch of it. All I hear is oh 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 WrestleMania. WrestleMania. <laughs> it's it's the greatest theme, and I just want to hear it over and over again. And you got the wrestlers in between doing these cheesy promos, like Bret Hart goes, "No, listen up, boys. I am the best in town. The excellence of execution. There's a new sheriff in town." And then it you know goes to the rest of it. There's the legend. I don't know if it's a legend or if it's actually a fact now. Do you know who actually uh, produced that album? Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Was it the guy who did Star Wars or something? No, it was uh, Simon Cowell. Really? Yeah, X Factor and, you know, American Idol, Simon Cowell. He, he actually produced it. Wow, I can't believe it. I wonder how tight his shirt was back then. <laughs> thinking but, just, yeah. I'm just thinking of him in the studio wearing shirts tighter than all of the talent. And be like, oh, you gotta do that again. And I'm not gonna even try to do a British accent, cause that would seem silly. No, I can't even do his voice, and I am British. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we'll leave at that. But, yeah, we go to, uh, commentary, see, uh, Gorilla with Roddy Piper. Um, I don't think the cocaine's kicked in at Roddy it, just yet. He seems to be quite mellow at the minute. But, yeah, um, indeed. I thought he was a little bit more tame this time around than some of the other pay-per-views I've watched so far. Yeah, well, we visit him a couple of times, and you'll you'll notice as the night goes on, he starts loosening up a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, getting to the next, uh, our first match of the night, it's the uh, Orient Express against the Rockers. Uh, Orient Express out first, it's uh, Tanaka and not Sato, because we've got Kato under the mask. Um, do you know who Kato is under, under the mask? Uh, you know, I was actually asking myself that, because I'm not super familiar with the Orient Express as individual members. When I was looking at how they, how they looked physically, I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Rikishi. So, it's, um, it's a wrestler. You probably haven't heard of him, but you recognize the names, what I say afterwards. So, his name is uh, Paul Diamond, and he used to wrestle in the AWA with Tanaka. He used to be known as uh, Bad Company. But a few years later, uh, he would be under a mask again, and he'd be known as Max Moon. Max Moon. I do not know Max Moon. He res- uh, he was basically billed as the, the wrestler who came from outer space, and he had like a jetpack and all lasers. Uh, he actually fe- he actually wrestled in the uh, first ever Monday Night Raw, ironically, uh, coincidentally against the uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, that sounds so, horrible. Uh, it, originally, it was meant to be Conan. Oh, okay. I like Conan. And uh, the the gimmick was actually for Conan. Conan was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing that shit." And I think that he just <laughs> ran off to WCW. <laughs> but, Probably uh, a wise move. What did yeah. you always say? Liberadasa or something? I don't, I don't know Spanish. I'm sorry. It's always sounded like that when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, so I yeah, apologize for anyone understand understand Spanish. If I said something really bad, I apologize. That's ignorance. We haven't broken the Mexican demographic yet, I've looked. so. Um, well, we mentioned okay. Conan's name, so we got a shot. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, they're led to the ring by Mr. Fuji. And, yeah, out next is the 
the Rockers. And, uh, yeah, that's a good match. Uh, the Rockers controls the match early on with some album drags and wrestles, but then Express turns it around when Tanaka hits a pretty nice um, crossbody onto Michaels. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a good exchange. Uh, there was the one spot I did notice, you probably noticed yourself, uh, Michaels is going for the uh, 10 punch in the corner on Tanaka, but then he sees Kato coming from behind and hits a main salt on him. Mm-hmm. Michaels looked really good in this match, by the way. I just I just have to comment, of the pay-per-views we've watched, uh, this was definitely my favorite that he was in. Yeah, and um, I think that was actually the first time he actually hit the main spot, like on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he hits it really well, and um, yeah, then the Express gains control again. Uh, there's a part when Tanaka drapes uh, Michaels over the ring apron and Fuji smacks him in the chest with his uh, cane, which <laughs> looked pretty nasty. Oh, uh, yeah. I wrote, a, I wrote a note for that, which is really dumb, but it made me laugh. Um, it says, if I was writing a newspaper, the headline would be traditional Japanese, Japanese man canes rocker for being too sexy. Uh, <laughs> 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 Continue on, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I had to sit there and I had to write that out. I was like, yo, I'm writing this out for the podcast. <laughs> oh, good. Well, yeah. Well, uh, um, anyway, yeah. I threw you off, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah um, after that, uh, Michaels just sounds like a boss in this match. He makes the express look. And. Yeah, end of the match comes. Uh, Michaels makes a tag to uh, Janetti, cleans house, a uh, bit of a back, before, uh, back and forth between the two teams, and then um, Marty Janetti ma- manages to uh, get the sunset flip on Tanaka and gets the uh, one, two, three, and uh, yeah, uh, a very good match. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was really good. I was I wasn't excited about it going into it because the previous um, the previous rocker matches I had watched so far in the, the, the last couple of pay-per-views. They were good, but clearly Marty Jannetty was the star of all of those. And to be fair, Sean was hurt for um, yeah. one or two of them. So I can't hold it against him, but still, it's been my it's been my experience. So I wasn't looking too far into it. Plus, it was the Orient Express, which isn't exactly one of the most fabled tag teams in all of history. It's more so it's known for possible, well, pretty seemingly overt racism. So <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to a massive quality match, but this was a really good match, um, considering the personnel and me, me not being too hype about it. What, what about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and um, I, I think, uh, in particular, uh, Tanaka, uh, the Express, I, he surprised me how good he actually was. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Shawn Michaels is the the show in this match. And, um, oh, like, sure. uh, the shows before this, it's like you said, Janetti always seemed to be like the main focus. He was like the star, but I think that this and possibly even the last show, you can start seeing Shawn Michaels is actually starting to overtake him now, if that makes Definitely. sense. Definitely. Now you can understand why, if, if for some reason you're questioning it, at least back in the day, putting yourself in the mindset of Vince, you can understand yeah. why he was thinking at some point, like, all right, we got to get this dude, like, spotlighted yeah. soon. But, uh, uh, yeah, good match, but um, we'll talk about later on, I guess. Um, well, yeah, also, real yeah, quick, I, I do want to. I do want to say that I happen to like when I was looking at notes and stuff. Um, I think this is one of the first like matches that Meltzer did 
um, that yeah. we're giving ratings on. And I think he like he flat out just gave this one a five star match. I think it was his first five star match. All right, or, uh, it was definitely I, his favorite one of the whole of his pay per view uh, ranking for sure. Yeah, I actually read that myself. I think he said this was the um, best match WWF has done on pay per view since uh, Savage and Steamboat. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so that's what he said. So uh, he liked it. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Um, I, I, we'll probably talk about it later on. Um, but I did like it. But I'm just trying to compare it to some of the other matches uh, where it ranks. But I definitely liked it. It was a really good match, and I recommend it to anyone who's interested in watching it to definitely watch it because uh, I heard uh, grow uh, like I heard like because um, I haven't w- watched this pay per view for a while. But I heard a lot of people saying this was actually a really good match, and yeah, it really was. So it delivered. We'll get back. It definitely did. Um, but we get backstage and we see Sean Mooney's with the uh, Matcha Man. The uh, Matcha Man says that Slaughter's told him that if he wins the title tonight, he, he'll promise um, Matcha Man a title shot. Uh, I don't know why Savage would believe another heel, but there you go. Um, yeah. But he, the camera cuts and we see uh, Sherry walking down the ramp to join Gene Oakland and. Uh, she set out to make a, a offer to the Ultimate Warrior on behalf of the Macho Man. Um, yeah. So the Warrior comes out. Uh, what I wrote, he had a really, really nice uh, racing jacket. Oh, uh, yes, he did. Oh, yeah, Warrior had – he had such a cheesy jacket on. I got to admit, although, to be fair, I was trying to pay attention to his his, uh, his trunks because I was like, oh, he's got the red, white, and blue. He's got the American gear on. But, yeah. you know, it was also like – like we had mentioned before, it was a very – patriotic related pay-per-view so i'm not surprised by that but yes he had yeah. that lame jacket on which was eventually unzipped by uh sherry there so that's uh, well, well well this was the thing uh so yeah sherry asks him if he's gonna give um savage a title shot if he wins doesn't get an answer and like i said she starts seducing him she even plans to kiss on him and takes off his jacket and uh she gets on her smart. knees yeah, that got a big uh, pop from the fans. <laughs> it was heavily suggestive, heavily suggestive that she was going to touch the warrior in in a very dangerous place. And uh, like they <laughs> got a big cheer for the fans when she dropped to her knees. And but then all of a sudden, warrior takes a fit and he screams, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a comment for that too. It says, definitely trying to make it look like she's about to uh, touch the warrior's blank. And then it says, yeah. warrior has a stroke and says no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she starts screaming as well when he says it. And then he goes to the back and uh, Savage just goes crazy backstage. He runs up to ringside and... Uh, what? I'm coming to take him down. <laughs> and runs off. Yeah. Side. I'm going to That was that. It was a sailor. I'm going to go take him down. He sounded like him about the Simpsons. <laughs> what's, he doing? what's he called? <laughs> I forgot his name, but you know what I mean. But, um, yeah, it was a fun little segment, that, so I enjoyed it. Um... But next we see it's the uh, Barbarian against the Big Boss Man. Barbarian gets the uh, job at entrance. Uh, he's joined by Heenan. Out next is the Boss Man, uh, 
apparently the feud started was uh, between Bossman the Heenan family because uh, Bobby Heenan insulted uh, Big Bossman's mama, which you should never do. Never. I mean, he's and, a good old Southern boy. Yeah, and um, it was a quick match. Well, it wasn't a quick match. It went for a while, but I didn't really write much down. Um, Heenan, like, gave uh, Bossman some sneaky kicks on the outside. Uh, Barbarian locked in a bear hug, which never ended. Yeah, uh, forever. Like, that's why I didn't have a lot of notes, because it was a lot of just, like, it, it was a lot of bear hugging. It was a lot of falling down and getting back up and more and more simple, really simple moves, I think. And that's yeah. what I kind of that's what I kind of took away from it. I mean, I thought it was kind of a slow pace, but I was yeah. I was blown away by um, how agile the boss man was in the match. And I know Roddy said it at one point in commentary, but it's what I was thinking. I was like, man, he could really he could really go for how big he was. And I this is one of those things where I remember the big boss man, but I mostly remember the big boss man from the corporation in the late nineties. Yeah. So, yeah, um, he's visibly faster here. Yeah, and, um, like, uh, well, uh, I started reviewing, obviously I started this podcast at uh, Rumble 90, which is exactly a year ago from this show, and um, he, he, um, he, he was starting to lose a bit of weight, but I remember watching him when he first joined WWF uh, as a kid, and, um, like, the amount of weight he's lost since his debut in WWF to now, which is it's unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and like you said, he loses more and more weight again when he joins the uh, corporation. Um, but yeah, because he um, wanted to rock that open shirt. You know, he wanted the belt across, but he wanted to make sure that all the world could see what he's working yeah. with under there. Yeah, that was a, it always popped open after like two moves. Something oh, like that. My God, there's there's clearly that was being held together with you know dental floss. It was it was coming apart. Yeah, and um, dental floss. Yeah, is kind of strong. I guess that's a bad example. Tube <laughs> <Same> tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was being held together with I don't know styrofoam. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Move on. Sorry. Yeah, but um, end of the match comes. Uh, Barbarian hits his um, flying uh, clothesline finisher. Goes for the pin, but Bossman gets his foot on the rope. Bossman then hits the uh, Bossman slam, but Barbarian gets his finger on the rope. Uh, then Barbarian hits the power driver, goes for another top rope clothesline, but Bossman rows through and yeah, he gets the uh, one, two, three as uh, Bobby Heenan runs to the back before Bossman can get him. So uh, it was a long match, but there wasn't much to write down. It wasn't a great match. It's probably one of Bossman's worst matches since I've started doing this uh, podcast. So. Wasn't yeah. a good match at all. Uh, it really, and, it wasn't. But I mean, I will say it picked up. I think more toward the end when they started doing like bigger, bigger moves finishes. and stuff. I mean, I like the roll up finish kind of at the end to be quick. And I, I said it was probably kind of ideal for this matchup since it was like two, you know, like two big forces. And if one person like dominated the other by the end, it probably wouldn't look as good. So I think the roll up was, it was, a, it was a nice surprise for a slow paced match. And that was yeah. a quick finish, you know, like a, a surprise quick finish. So it's probably a good way to end such a slow paced match. Yeah, and uh, still putting over the uh, boss man since he's 10 face, he's just been on a really good run. And uh, yeah, another big win for him. And he's a uh, feud with the uh, Heenan family. So he's doing well. But next we see Sean Mooney, and he's with um, Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan. And 
Well, what Slaughter just keeps saying, he just keeps saying he's going to defeat the uh, ultimate puke for the, the title. The ultimate puke. <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was the greatest. I love that so much. And he was wearing a, he was wearing a, a traditional uh, kefia, which uh, yeah. I, I was like, okay, well, that's that's a good way to really piss off the crowd. Um, I mean, it's not like, I mean, obviously he'd been doing this heel run for a while of like, you know, turning on basically the American military. I mean, even, yeah. I guess, leading up to this, because I even did, I did a little more research this time around too. Um, leading up to the storyline, or within the storyline, it looks like he like opened a present on camera and it was, it was a pair of boots that supposedly was sent by Saddam Hussein earlier on in the, in the storyline. So I'm like, man, they were going full on on this. This idea that, you know, uh, slaughter was not with America anymore. <laughs> yeah, they went all in for it and, uh, fair play to him not being scared to do it. There's a yeah. lot of people that wouldn't have done it, especially like him being like, you know, G.I. Joe and things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, the, re- so, uh, the, again, more of the research I read is, you know, after, after the match, like supposedly in real life, slaughter stayed in the arena till like 3 a.m. because they were horrified <laughs> about yeah. what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you call it? He definitely uh, pull it all in for the gimmick. Uh, but next we see Oakland, and he's with uh, the Warrior. And like you mentioned before, he had the uh, red, white, and blue uh, face paint and trunks. Mm. And um, he had the uh, his title had the purple strap this time. Um, I don't know what I thought of it, but what what's your thoughts on uh, the Warrior having like different color title straps like for these belts? You know, I was thinking about that actually while I was watching as well, so I'm really glad that you brought it up. I didn't like it only because I, I just, like, it, it's, I don't know, it's like, it's weird. I, like, the over-customization of titles, I, like, Vince is so down with it. He's so down with it, and I don't know why. I mean, I guess it's good on occasion or if it's part of a storyline, but having Warrior make it, like, color-coded was weird because yeah. they weren't really even merchandising titles all that much back then either, like... Maybe yeah. maybe with action figures, but they weren't selling like massive replicas like they do now. No. Um, well, like I said, like I know they do it occasionally now, but obviously that's because of merchandise and then selling belts. But back then, um, yeah, they didn't. Um, like I, I, we was on about the um, the last show he was at Survivor Series, the white strap, which me and you both loved. I love uh, white strap belts. And obviously there's a the traditional black belt which we love, but and I think at SummerSlam, I think he wore like a blue one. Um, so obviously it was just for his um, character. Obviously he had, came out with you know many different face paints and different colors. But yeah, yeah uh, but the belt, like you know, why would we shouldn't have to change the belt? It was already like fairly neutral colors anyway, so it's kind of yeah it's weird. Plus it takes away the in, in my mind it can it takes a little bit of like the prestige of like well this is a title that's been passed down. But when it's like the straps change, I'm like, oh well, that's just his title. Like when Austin got had his Smoking Skulls title back in the late '90s, and yeah. The Rock kind of had his own. I'm, I was like, I get, or, or even like the oh my god, the worst one to me is still the Fiend when he got the uh, the title. I can't remember if it was Universal or SmackDown, but uh, when they made it like yeah. the Universal when it was turned into a le- like a leather belt of his face, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, can we leave the title for what it is? Because it's supposed to be like the like the mark of the champion, and if it's all customized, it looks weird. Um, And I do, I do. Go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. Then I'll throw in a random comment I have about the interview. Well, uh, the 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 one I did enjoy, even though um, it was the WWE title, 
I enjoyed it for the purpose of the storyline was uh, Daniel Bryan's one. Oh, oh, see, that's the thing. For the purpose of the storyline, I totally get it. That was amazing. The whole, yeah. you know, uh, savior of the earth, so he made it a bamboo title. That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when it's like the Fiend one was just horrible. Um, and he didn't even have it that long. Like, at least yeah. Stone Cold and The Rock were like fixtures in that title. Um, yeah. So that's that. I don't know. That just that just made me quite sad. And I have to give I have to give my comment on the Ultimate Warrior because this is another one of those dumb comments I made while I was watching that only made me laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's classic warrior promo stuff though. It's cause like, if you watch warriors there, he's like getting interviewed, but before he actually starts talking, you know how warrior like picks his head up and he's like moving his arms up and down and stuff. Um, yeah. he's doing this arm motion with one arm where it looks like he's desperately trying to pull, uh, the string to turn on a light of a ceiling fan, but he can't quite like, get yeah. it. So he does it like two or three times. Yeah, I, the whole time I was like, man, that little, that poor muscular man just, he just wants to get some air circulating so bad. Uh, <laughs> and, and I tell you what he always does as well, which I've noticed. He always, rather, if he's with someone, if he's with like another wrestler, if it's just like the interviewer, you'll notice he always walks around that person. Oh, like, yes, he does. He always paces around and he's like, so he always does it. I, I, I enjoy his interviews because they're so hilarious to watch. But oh, um, it's it's such a weird study on promos too because you you know he was hugely popular back then for a short period of time. And if you yeah. listen to like Jr's Jr's podcast that he put out a little while ago, um, um, with that dude Conrad, and it's all yeah. about the Ultimate Warrior and basically just talking about how Warrior's all about the sizzle and no steak. I agree. He was all about sizzle, and that's some of the sizzle. And it's it's so weird, but it like it works. Him just going like like him yelling in Sherry's face like that. I don't know why that worked. It freaked me out at first, but if I was watching back then, I would have popped really hard, probably. Yeah, no disrespect to Jr., but Jr. wasn't even in the WWF at the time, so he missed out on uh, Prime Warrior. Well, that was part uh, of what uh, part of what he talked about. I don't know if you listen or not, but. He was basically, yeah. yeah, he would talk about a few different things. He's like, I wasn't with them at the time, but I would hear about it. Um, and he was, he was saying, well, when they were coming up, basically the company said the choice between Warrior and Sting, cause both prospects were wanted. And uh, he's like, basically, I'll just say whoever got Sting definitely made out the better end. Um, cause Warrior wasn't easy to work with. He was only about himself. He kept himself in shape, but that's about it. Um, he couldn't do any, he couldn't do much else. He could, do a little bit of promo, but he was extremely limited and um, he got over because there was a machine behind him and, yeah. uh, you know, and he had a great look, but that's about it. They're like, he, oh, he tore, he tore Warrior apart. So if you haven't listened to it, it's worth yeah. listening to for sure. Well, that's a question as well because I love Sting, but who do you think went down as the bigger legends? Ultimate Warrior, Sting. That's a great question. I think if you're asking like a like a wrestling purist, they're not going to hesitate and they're going to say Sting. But yeah. the problem is, I remember growing up, I couldn't get the two names Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior out of my head. Like, oh, yeah. well, and also the Macho Man Randy Savage, to be fair. He was in there too. But I couldn't get yeah. them out of my head. I barely thought of Sting. Um, I was also more of a WWF guy, to be fair. Um, yeah. But like I knew Ric Flair. Like I knew them. But Warrior's name will probably live on as an icon more than Sting will. 
Yeah, because obviously they was a tag team when they first started. That was the uh, Blade Runners. Mm-hmm. Um, and they trained together, and one made the jump to WF, the other made the jump to uh, NWA, WCW. And um, I think I put it on Twitter, and it was pretty split, like 50-50 as well. I put a poll Really? Up. Yeah, it was pretty close. I, I think Sting might have just edged it, but I think the only problem with Twitter, there's a lot of smarky type of fans, you know, mm-hmm. like yourself. So, <laughs> and not like the casual fans, because if it was just casual fans, they'd be like, oh, Ultimate Warrior. But um, I can't split the two, but yeah. Um, it's it's uh, tough. It's, it's tough. You really got to go around that, because... You can't just be smarky and go like, well, clearly Sting had the better career. You know, he did this at multiple companies. But the problem is it's not that's that's not accurate. You know, like if if there happened to be a it, it, it's about making money and drawing. And at least for a concentrated period of time, Warrior was that had a higher peak than I think Sting ever did. Um, oh, the, the only time that you Sting you can make the argument for was what, like 97 WCW or yeah. something. And that's it. Like, uh, otherwise, I think Warrior was bigger. Even, like, Sting 97 or in that area, 96, 97, 98, whatever, versus Warrior during his prime time. I I think Warrior was probably more hyped. Yeah, it's a a tough one, to be honest. Uh, But I think Jim Ross is probably shitting on Warrior too much. I know he wasn't a great person behind the scenes, Warrior. That's, you know, that's that. But, you know, um, he was bigger than what people, I think, not enough people gives him credit at, at the same time, but... Well, he acknowledges he's an attraction, of course, but it was more so, like, behind the scenes, he was a giant pain. He's the kind of guy uh-huh, that yeah. demands a private locker room, and even outside of that, you know, he supposedly, like, when they were doing renegotiations, and he ended up going to WCW, and uh, Vince, you know, and JR talking about it, like, well, you know, what do you, you know, what do we think about this? And JR's like, listen, WCW just did us a huge favor. Okay, this, yeah. this let him go over there. He'll cause more problems with people who are less well managed than the wrestlers over here. Maybe we'll get him back one day. Maybe not. That was actually the only nice thing he really had to say about Warrior, um, yeah. other than he was always in good shape. Was that um, he was one of his favorite things in wrestling was him being able to see Warrior with his his daughters um, for the WWE Hall of Fame induction um, because yeah. he got to see a different side of. Um, warrior and that made him truly care about uh jim helveg for a change all oh, right fair enough yeah but, and then of course yeah. you know, he tragically died after that but yeah it's a shame um but yeah we'll always remember him but yeah yeah uh we'll get <laughs> we get back to the match uh so yeah it's the uh for the world wrestling federation title sergeant slaughter against the ultimate warrior um slaughter's out first uh, like you said before, and he got his uh, pointy boots off uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah. Uh, Warriors up next, uh, big reaction, and uh, he runs in, he clotheslines both Slaughter and General Adnan to start the match off. Then he actually uh, rips the Iraqi flag, and I'm thinking, oh, that's not cool. <laughs> oh, he tore that apart immediately. Oh, my yeah, God. I, I mean, because, like, the history of wrestlers, at least on, like, pay-per-views and large venues, it's not... Not great messing with the flag. I mean, well, it get, although it gets, I can only think of a couple, though. It gets big uh, USA chants from the fans, though, so they're up. <laughs> oh, clearly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Rory's in control, like, for a big portion of the match, and then Sherry comes to ringside, and um, she tries to trip up Warrior, 
gets a warrior chased up the ramp, and then he gets blindsided by Savage, and uh, he throws like a stage light on top of him. Then he goes to the back, and uh, that came out of nowhere, like how he actually blindsided them. It was a great attack. Oh yeah, because it was because Sherry came out, and then Macho, you know, to to lure him into the trap, and then Macho took him out, and I was like, oh damn. Um, actually, and I did, I did want to comment on the flag thing real quick. They drove me nuts, or not drove me nuts. I thought it was so funny was when he broke the flag and then he picked it up and he was going to, like, clothesline him with it or something. The way yeah. he... Because <laughs> he broke the pole in half in addition That's to ripping right. the flag in half. So he broke the pole in half and the pole was still attached to the flag. So I was like, is, is the warrior about to stab Sergeant Slaughter with the broken half of this? <laughs> like a stake? I was like, oh, my God. And then he didn't. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Even though, obviously, I would have heard about the warrior stabbing Slaughter. <laughs> but it, it got me for a second. <laughs> but yeah, um, Slaughter takes control now after the um, attack, and uh, he locks in another long bear hug as well. Um, the bear hug is officially my most hated move now in wrestling. Oh yeah, they really they were a bunch of Care Bears in there. Yeah, <laughs> and um, Slaughter then gets uh, the Warrior in a camel clutch. Um, he thinks he's won the match, kind of like what he did at the Survivor Series, but Warrior's legs was under the rope. Um, but then the warrior starts doing his uh, rain dance because I don't know if you know this, Kevin. Do you, do you know that the Ultimate Warrior is meant to be a Native American? Uh, I did not. That's, That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know this a couple of years ago, and it was like, yeah, his gimmick was actually that he was a Native American Indian. Really? And when and when you look at it now, when with the face paint and the way he talks, when he talks about the stars and constellations and the great spirits and things like that. It's like, yeah, he actually is. So like, I mean, I mean, I guess so it was like, cause I remember the name Dingo warrior. Was that like, that preceded it, right? Or predated the ultimate warrior, right? Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know if he used it in WWF, but I know that we used it just before and when he was still like in the other little territories. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Because when I think of Dingo, and this may be terrible, I, mean, I immediately Australia. think of Australian right yeah. away. So I'm like, okay, well, is it like an is it like a, a a native Aborigine of Australia was the original, or maybe it, it maybe it transformed by the time he got to WWF and into what it currently Possibly. was. I don't I don't know. But if that's the case, I mean, it's not outrageous to think that it was based in Native American stuff. Although I don't I I don't see a huge resemblance, but it could be loosely based off of it. Sure. Yeah, I didn't, didn't see it at the time growing up, but when you look at it, you think, yeah, it actually is kind of. Like, uh, it's not as much as, like, say, Tatanka, you know what I mean? But mm. um, but when you uh, put the piece together, it's like, yeah, it actually is. But, um, but yeah, he does his rain dance, and then he does um, some shoulder charges. Um, Sherry comes back down to distract him. Uh, he picks her up and presses uh, over the rope onto Savage. So that nice spot um yeah. well done to sherry well well done to sherry for taking that bump because that was a scary looking bump yeah uh, as a, as a lot are with the ultimate warrior and um, according to jr <laughs> yeah slaughter hits him in the back uh from behind uh warrior falls into rope and while uh the ref is distracted by uh slaughter Savage comes and he smashes his uh, scepter across the warrior's head <laughs> oh yeah and he he went for king it. He went for it when he smashed it, and uh, Slaughter gets the uh, one, two, three, and um, there's a bit of a pause before we hear an announcement. Um, Warrior gets up and he uh, 
he runs to the back and you can hear the fans chant Hogan and then Howard Finkel uh, he comes out of it the winner of the match uh, and new, new World Wrestling Federation Sergeant Slaughter and uh, yeah, yeah they did and, not uh, like that I'll tell you no especially <laughs> Piper <laughs> no yeah Piper. Piper was not happy. So, um, but yeah, uh, thoughts on the match? Um, like you said, a lot of I I did also explicitly put it in my in my notes. Lots of bear hugging, which 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 is bad. Um, I thought Slaughter was selling really well, really early, which I did, I didn't know I didn't think he'd be capable of selling that well for Warrior. But it sounds like that's really the only way you could get Warrior to be really functional is you had to basically just let him do his old crush, you know, stuff in order for it to look good. So he looked great there, I think. I love the interferences. Um, they set it up pretty well throughout the night um, by, um, you know, Sherry and also the Macho King. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, Slaughter was just a really good heel and made Warrior look uh, very strong, even though Slaughter ended up um, getting the win. So that was, it was, I thought it was a good match. Yeah, I think um, Savage improved it so much as well. I love mm-hmm. these, uh, just this little, uh, you know, shit heel that would, would not leave, uh, Warrior alone. Exactly. So, uh, he, he, he played his part of that match. So, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, we see a, uh, promo for WrestleMania 7. So, uh, we'll, that'll probably be getting reviewed in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> and, uh, next out, we see, uh, Coco Beware. And next <laughs> we see, um, a return to the podcast. We have not, uh, I, I, we haven't seen him since episode one when he was part of the Fabulous Rougeau brothers. The Mountie, Jacques Rougeau. Yes. Yes, indeed. Seeing him coming out there. I was like, oh, dang, the Mountie. That's fun. I love yeah. good old Canada. What's his, what, what's his name now? Um, he works, uh, he works with Ring of Honor, right? No, that's, uh, PCO, um, Cal Roulette. Uh, they, uh, oh. in, a, in a couple of years' time, uh, the PCO actually comes into WF and they form the tag team, uh, the Quebecers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, they, Be- and, and being dumb, picked the wrong one. That's nah, right. And both of them has like a mounty gimmick. Exactly. Um, that's, that's why I'm getting all mixed up. I was like, I'm pretty sure one of them was, though. Yeah, now the mounty, he was part of the, uh, he was Jacques Rougeau. He was part of the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Him mm. and, uh, his brother Raymond, uh, Raymond actually still works for WF. He's the uh, French-speaking uh, commentator. Oh, okay. I do and, recognize uh, the name. Yeah, and um, like um, this, the fe- well, this is uh, Mounty's first appearance. In well, last time he was on the sh- WF, it, it was uh, Royal Rumble at ninety, so which was episode one of the podcast, so a full year. And uh, he used to have like you know big uh, hair, and uh, he actually was sporting a beard, but now he's got a. Uh, new buzz cut so he actually looks different and uh, I tell you what it is well where he hasn't been on television for a year it's given him plenty of time to work on a new gimmick and that and because um, when I was a child and I watched uh, I was watching it, I didn't realise he was part of the Rougeau Brothers as well um, you couldn't get away with it these days it's like uh, <laughs> when Albert went away to Japan for 8 years and he came back as Law Tensai the fans just chanted Albert straight away and basically just killed his push. <laughs> oh my God. Brave Wyatt was up and they just kept chanting Husky Harris. Like, exactly. <laughs> like people don't forget. That's the, that's the awful thing. WWE, like part of it is they really, 
as much as they rely on nostalgia, so much of it they plan on you just forgetting what happened the previous week. Yeah. And uh, fans are a little bit too smart now, so um, you, can, you can't do it anymore. So, um, it would happen all the time. It's like, all right, well, if you uh, – I, I think it was Survivor Series a few – I don't know, like four or five years ago. Whenever it was like Ziggler, Cena, uh, Eric Rowan – Ryback and whoever, they all got fired and it was like, all right, if you win, you can keep your jobs. And they lost. And then like yeah. that Monday night, Vince was like, uh, okay, come on back. It was like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like the, the stick, you just threw the stipulation out the window. What? It, but it already concluded. <laughs> it didn't make sense. Yes. Anyway, it didn't make sense, but I, I hear you there. Sorry. Sorry to, uh, to diverge. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah. And, um, not much to say about this match, really. Ba- uh, Mountie basically controls the whole match, and end of the match comes where uh, Coco runs off the ropes, but um, Mountie catches him with a bossman slam, pretty much to get the win. So um, it was that's so what it was. Uh, I mean, start of the Mountie's uh, heel run off, I suppose, uh, gives him a win on pay per view. So um, it gave him off. steam, but as far as the match goes, it was boring. Yeah, it's, it wasn't great. No. Uh, next we see uh, Sean Mooney. He's backstage with uh, Savage, who's basically hiding from the warrior. <laughs> and uh, then we see um, Gene Oakland with um, Slash Slaughter. Um, I don't know how you felt about the promo, but I just found it boring. <laughs> yeah, it it was one of my least favorite of the night. I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, we... Uh, he just, you know, he talks about being the new champion and things like that, and you know, basically shits on the troops and blah blah blah. But I've seen it so many times now. But, but there you go. Um, so yeah, we see um, go back to uh, commentary. We see Gorilla and Piper, and uh, I think the cocaine's starting to kick in now because Piper starts going wild. <laughs> <laughs> You're very liberal with that. Oh, the cocaine started to kick in. <laughs> yeah. And, it's, uh, uh, yeah, you're starting to get ramped up a bit, which is good considering, you know, they're only, what, one match away from the Royal Rumble? Yeah, pretty much. And, yeah, we see, um, next we see something. Yep, five, four, three, two. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we, next we see, um, a few of the, uh, fans outside and they're just basically wishing them well wishes to the troops. Oh, yes, of course. The patriotism continues. And um, what do you call it? Gorilla and Piper says, uh, well, they start milking it because they say that Hulk Hogan's going to visit all the uh, troops' as families and all the army bases. Of course. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Probably not. I, I mean, he's an American hero, so it just sounds good. Cena would. John Cena would. <laughs> Oh, Cena would, for sure, yeah. Like, John John Cena was already on a jet over there, yeah. for sure. Like, <laughs> I, as a toddler, I'm sure he was – I don't even know if he was alive back then. But, yeah, he was. He definitely was. Uh, he was definitely on a jet, barely could stand, because Cena cares about the troops. I love John Cena, and people's shitted on him for years, but now I, I do generally think now people's actually started realizing how good he actually was. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah, he he at this point would be, I mean, not the, I don't know if it would be fair to call him the new Undertaker, but, like, especially if people don't give him the credit on the microphone that he deserves, he's yeah. he's outstanding at working a crowd on the mic. 
And even, uh, in, the, even in the rink. I oh, think he he's is. so underrated in the rink. Um I mean, yeah, like he's his best matches have been with, you know, umber of you know, some of the in ring legends like Shawn Michaels, um even the his match against AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble, I absolutely love that match. Um Oh yeah. And you're I mean, yeah, he has great matches with other great people. But I mean I think that's good. I mean that he he does what he, he does what he should in that regard. The yep. The mark for me of when I realized, I mean, like, I knew Cena was good. Just like I know Randy Orton's good, but it's like, you gotta make me feel something. When I really, really appreciated him in the ring was when he won the US title and made it super relevant again. Yeah. Like, it, it wasn't just cause he won it. It's cause he won it and what they were doing with it. Like, he made it feel special with like the open challenge and everything. Um, and I was like, damn, okay, you gotta come take that title from him. Whereas now it's like, I don't know, depending on the mood on, you know, each Tuesday for Vince, they'll be the new U.S. champion. Yeah, so, um, but no, he's definitely one of the greats. But, yeah, um, so we're getting to one of my favorite part of the Royal Rumbles, uh, the Rumble promos. Um, not as many as last year, but still some good ones. First, we see uh, Jake the Snake. There are 29 men that think they are ready for the Royal Rumble, but yet there is only one snake that is absolutely sure what he's got to do. You see, I see a lot of men sweating. Not me. I'm cold, brother. Ice water running through the veins. You see, Rick Martell, I know what I got to do. Like a surgeon, brother, I will cut my way through those 29 men to get to you. Uh, Thankfully, his uh, vision has been restored. Thankfully. Yeah, he doesn't have that one white eye anymore. It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. We're not going to acknowledge it. We're just going to say, you know, hey, good to see you back, buddy. And um, he basically says he's going to target um, Rick Martell. So uh, that's him. Uh, next up, we see F. Craig. He does his uh, Brock Lesnar dance, or as we call it, the uh, Goro stump. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Is that a Mortal Kombat reference? Another Mortal Kombat reference. I love it. One of the greatest franchises of all time. That's very and, true. Uh, next up, we see uh, Greg the Amavantine. He's washed out the uh, black hair dye. He's gone back to a uh, blonde. Yeah, when I saw him back as the hammer, I was like, oh, he's not with Honky Tonk, huh? All right, good. Good for him. Yeah, well, what I forgot to mention, um, I, Survivor Series 90 was actually Honky Tonk's last uh, match in the, on WWF pay-per-view till... Royal Rumble 2001. Oh, really? Because yeah. well, he was supposed to be in 91, right? That's right. Uh, he got replaced by um, Brian Nobbs of the Nasty Boys. That's why Brian Nobbs is in the Rumble, but Jerry Sags isn't because Nobbs was like a last-minute replacement. Because um, in the lead-up, Honky Tonk was still going to the Rumble, but then I think he left maybe a week or two beforehand. Mm. Um so, yeah, I forgot to mention it last time. In fact, that was actually his last match on pay-per-view in the last match. But, yeah, uh, Hammer left him, and he left um, Jimmy out. And I suppose he's babyface, but you'll notice in the Rumble later on, he's more of a trainer. So, um, but, yeah, that's um Valentine. I thought he was doing some more heelish stuff. So, I mean, I I don't know. Like, you know, because there were times where, like, they were teaming up and stuff. And... Yeah. It, it felt like he was, at least at the very, like, I'll say at max, he was a tweener. Um, yeah, it seemed why. like he could have gone either way. And um, next we see uh, Kerry Von Erich, and 
Yeah, he just says, uh, talks like he's a tornado. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, next just, we see... Such a weird thing, but good for him committing to the gimmick. Yeah. We see uh, Legion of Doom next, and um, <laughs> they say, that you don't want to take a, wa- a ride on me or Animal. I'm thinking, believe me, I would not want to take a ride on oh. you. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> and... Uh, Next, we see uh, Brother Love with The Undertaker. And- the 29 pots have been dug. The Undertaker will bury all 29 opponents. And the only thing the other 29 competitors will be doing tomorrow is... Resting in peace. And um, the first Rumble appearance of Taker... Know, yeah, and you know he hasn't nailed the promo yet, because traditionally, which we all know, he says, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he says, resting in peace. <laughs> so uh, uh, He's still he working on it. He's still working on it. Just needs to drop one more syllable, and then he's got it spot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because resting in peace, that is a... Man, why did he ever think that would sound good? Uh, Mr. 2020 over here trying to come at The Undertaker for sounding silly in wrestling. <laughs> uh, next to see Hacksaw. Um, he just jabbed on. I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Another favorite. Yeah. Um, Rick Martel. Uh. As I've always said, it's not what you do, but how you look doing it. You know, and just watch me shine when I throw everybody over that top rope. Oh, yeah, and Jake, I haven't forgot about you. I know the way things look for you lately. You need a little guidance. So it'll be my pleasure to guide you right out of that ring because I'm the winner of that Royal Rumble. Mm. Uh, he was shredded. I didn't realize how in good shape he actually was. He's a model. Well, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Next, I see the British Bulldog got a big smile on my face, but his promo was a bit daft. He said that it's the Royal Rumble, and it makes him glad to be a Bulldog. And I'm like, what, literally? (laughs) (laughs) Must be glad to be a Bulldog. (laughs) I like Davey Boy. I can't give him too much. much Although, he did fall to the Sunny Curse, which is if you slept with Tammy Sitch, your life is going to tumble. Well, that is allegedly, but... Why would she like Paul? Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds... I I looked into this a little bit. There's quite a few people. Brian Pillman puts it in his book. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's actually a really funny excerpt I'll share with you later on. But supposedly Brian Pillman was with Tammy Sitch, actually, like, physically and at the time. And they were calling up other people that were friends and in the business. And she was complaining about how she felt terrible about it because, like, Chris is there. And in the meantime, he's laughing maniacally about it in the background while she's saying how feel how bad she feels. So that's oh, funny. Well. Uh, Bret Hart is another one that's alleged. I believe the Sunny Days comments now. I hate to say that, but I I believe it now. Yeah, uh, um, it's weird because she denies it and he denies it, uh, but she admits to everyone else she's been with. But she always yeah. denied being with Bret, and I'm thinking, why would she deny it? And that's true. true. And you're right about that. I mean, that's the only reason why maybe it isn't true. But uh, um, it's, it's only because, like, I guess in Brett's books, he's talked about how he cheated on his wife on the road, which yeah. is sad. 
Yeah, um, like he, every town he went to, he cheated on his wife, but he said the same thing. He said he never did with Sonny. He was, uh, she used to love his kids and, uh, you know, play with his youngest son, Blade. Lucky bastard. Um, oh, man, so, that is, uh, yeah, cause Sonny back in the day, she was, she was stunning, stunningly gorgeous. Yeah. Most, most uh, downloaded woman, 97 or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to turn that into Sonny. Oh, it's, uh, we'll think back to, uh, Davey Boy. We're, we're talking about Davy Boy giving his promo. That was, uh, it, you know, yeah. it's another, his promos I don't think were fully locked down, but it's mainly because they're just, I don't know, like you said, they're a bit, I don't know, they're a bit cheesy. Yeah. And, uh, next we see, uh, Bobby Eden with Mr. Perfect, who is now, uh, regained his Intercontinental, uh, championship. As he should be. He's amazing. Yeah, um, well, um, he actually won it. Well, it's weird because he actually won it before Survivor Series. It was taped, but uh, the episode of Superstars didn't get released till after Survivor Series. So oh. uh, that's why Kerry uh, Von Eck was still the IC champ at Survivor Series. But um, yeah, he uh, regained the, the Continental Championship and uh, yeah, just uh, suits him. Um, oh, yeah. And they saved the best for last because. Uh, <laughs> The tugboat. He is Royal Rumble time! Every man for himself! And the old tugboat is gonna jump right into the middle of things! And Holster, if it comes down to you and me, well, he... I love this. <laughs> oh, good old tugger. He! <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who it'll come out. But if it comes out to me and you, Hogan, he... <laughs> I think you should do that all the time. That's like a high-pitched version of uh, Duggan's ho. Like, just imagine, did they ever, like, I wonder if they ever faced off where they just did that back and forth to each other. He, ho, like, he, ho. <laughs> like, I had a really dumb idea for a storyline, like, three years ago that was pretty yeah. similar to this, where it was Chris Jericho when he was doing The List. And broken yeah. Matt Hardy, where Jericho would say, you made the list, and then Matt Hardy would say, delete, and they would keep going back and forth. Add, he would add a name, then Hardy would delete it and go back and forth. Yeah, same dumb idea. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll be using that on AEW. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think they should, where he will use the uh, lexicon of Le Champion, and Matt <laughs> Hardy will just start deleting it. <laughs> I think they might have actually already done it. <laughs> no, they haven't. I have think they? on Matt... Uh, they probably did on Matt Hardy's, uh, not his debut, but the week after, is, uh, when he spoke to Chris Jericho. Possibly. Really? I didn't, I actually have seen almost zero of Matt Hardy in AEW so far. I know they did that stadium series matchup, I just didn't go back and watch it. But, yeah. Uh, I'll, yes. I'll look, I'll, I'll look <laughs> I it up later. Know. I'll look it up later. And if I'll so, I want, like a royalty, <laughs> I want a royalty check from Khan, if that's the case, because that idea was gold. <laughs> And it was posted <laughs> on Facebook years ago. So okay. it's in the histories that before AEW existed, I was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we'll have to definitely look at that. And, um, yeah, so that's the, uh, Rumble promos. And, uh, we go back to Griller and Piper. And, uh, yeah, the cocaine is taking full effect because he's got the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Roddy Piper. So when I say this, this is not disparaging. I'm saying this out of love. Because I love Piper, and you know it was well known. All the wrestlers in the eighties and nineties had drug uh, drug uh, drug uh, habits, so it's no secret. 
great. But I, I'm saying that I loved him. I loved Roddy Piper. But he had, he had such a big smile on his face. <laughs> so, and I'm standing by because I'm fine with James admitting he's an awful, awful person who makes fun of Roddy's coke habit. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I just yeah. don't know if he had a coke habit or not, but <laughs> he definitely had some ups and downs in his energy. We'll say that. <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, um, next we see uh, Sean Mooney's with uh, Ted DiBiase and Fergil, and uh, Raul DiBiase is cutting his promo. Fergil just gives him the death stare, basically, like he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, next we see uh, the Rhodes family against uh, Ted DiBiase and Fergil, and... Uh, Dustin Rhodes on his uh, debut for the WWF, and uh, first thing I wrote down, he's spitting an image of uh, Dusty. Oh my god, they even dressed him the same. So like yeah. he had the same boots and stuff. Other than obviously, was he's not as chubby, but uh, you know he looks so much like him. Yeah, he was only twenty two here as well. Yeah, and it's weird for a twenty two year old. He he looked old, but I think it's because. Oh, of yeah. the, because it like like Dustin somehow has almost always had bags under his eyes that are yeah. bigger than they should be, so I think that adds to it. Yeah, and uh, the thing I did write down there when DBS and Fergal comes out, I love how they took the time taking the suits off, but it was like in pieces. It'd be like the jacket, then like the uh, the shirt sort of thing, but had no back to it. You know how and they it, are. It was just like piece by piece. <laughs> it didn't make me laugh. <laughs> And, um, yeah, uh, basically, uh, throughout the match, um, DiBiase just chastises Virgil when Virgil, like, messes things up. Um, yeah, Dusty it's gets, really overt. Yeah, Dusty gets in the ring, uh, with DiBiase. He takes control and then he tags in Dustin. And, uh, Virgil tags in. Uh, Dustin goes for a running knee strike in the corner, but, uh, Virgil dodges it, so they basically just start working the knee. And, um, yeah, end of the match comes when um, Fergil and DiBiase is both in the ring. Uh, DiBiase has got, um, <clears throat> sorry, he's got um, Dustin's arms behind his back for Fergil to clothesline him. Uh, Dustin dodges, Fergil clotheslines DiBiase by mistake, and DiBiase just starts slapping the shit out of Fergil, sends him yeah, out of the ring. Yeah, he, like, he smacked him like in the face. I was like, damn. He went for it. and uh, I guess that's Dustin what happens might- when he's your manservant. You can kind of do whatever. Yeah, and um, Dusty gets into the ring, unloads on uh, DiBiase, goes for a corner splash, but DiBiase dodges it, and yeah, gets a schoolboy to uh, pin him. And uh, then the, the main angle, I suppose, is the post-match, because um, DiBiase cuts a promo, shits on Virgil, tells him to fetch his uh, belt and wrap it around his waist. Uh, Virgil drops it to the floor. Ted tells him to uh, pick it up and uh, think about the money for his family. So Fergil picks it up and yeah, smashes it across uh, DiBiase's face and a big massive uh, pop from the fans. Yeah, that was a huge pop. I guess everybody doesn't have a prize, Ted. Yeah, and uh, weirdly, and I uh, shit on Fergil these days, especially my um, podcast just released with uh, Bubba the Hate Sponge when we reviewed Uncensored. But growing up as a child, and I loved Fergil. <laughs> And, uh, really? Uh, I, I, you, you'll know why. Not the next pay-per-view, but SummerSlam 91. I, okay. I, uh, I, I was a fan of him on that show, so um, I, I don't know about a big fan, but I say I enjoyed him when I was a child. Like, uh, he, I think it was that one particular match you have with DBS, which I uh, enjoy, which we'll get to in the future. But 
but yeah, this uh, reaction worked well and uh, got some really, really sad news for you, Kevin. What's that? So, even though it was Dustin Rhodes' uh, debut, so it was also his uh, last match for the WWF for a while, but this is also the last time we're going to see Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, that's right. That's the last time for a super long time. I mean, I guess he appeared on WWE later, but I don't think he... He never probably wrestled another match, did he? No. For WWE. Uh, I think... Um, I think when he came back in 07, possibly, that's when he introduced uh, Cody. Uh, okay. And I think he actually done a strap match with uh, Randy Orton. Oh, uh, uh, was that during the Legend Killer gimmick? Yeah, um, but obviously this was way past time. Well, to be honest with you, this, this was pretty much the end of his in-ring career anyway, because yeah. um, he knew he was leaving a few weeks beforehand, uh, and it was like, it was mutual with uh, Vince McMahon. What it was, over on the other channel on WCW, they was winning the storyline with the Black Scorpion and Sting, and it just basically shit the bed, and Ollie Anderson was the booker, and uh, he basically got took off the booking because of it, and they promised the uh, booking position to uh, Dusty Rhodes, and uh, Dusty would be like, okay, I'll come over, and obviously he fetched uh, Dustin with him, and uh, he pushed Dustin high, he made him, like, uh, I think TV champion or United States champion, but I was, like, tag team champion and things like that, so uh, there was a bit of nepotism in his push, but, uh, yeah. but, but yeah, um, he, uh, Dust, uh, Dusty Rhodes, he didn't come back to, like, 06 or 07, and, uh, as for young Dustin, uh, we're not going to see him for another four years in 1995, where he comes back as uh, looking very, very different, should we say. Yeah, I love that gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, yeah, uh, so that a bizarre was, one, you know. Bizarre one. Uh, looking forward to it when we get to them days eventually. Yeah, it's going to be right. a while. Yeah. But, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but, yeah, uh, next up we see... Uh, Mean Gene is with um, Hulk Hogan. You know something, Mean Gene? Now it's time more than ever for me and all my Hulkamaniacs to unite, brother. You know, there's 29 other competitors in that ring, but I'm not worried about those dudes, brother. I want to tell you what I'm all about and what I'm standing for out here. I'm dedicating this match to all of our boys over there in the Persian Gulf and to all of our allies, Mean Gene. And with that type of firepower, with that type of energy, brother, I don't care about the other 29 competitors, Mean Gene. I'm going to fight, scratch, and claw my way all the way to the top to win that Royal Rumble. Because with the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines behind me, Mean Gene, Hulkamania has got more momentum than I've ever had. And I'm going to prove with all the armed forces behind Hulkamania, truth, justice, the American way, I'm going to prove that I'm going to win that Royal Rumble. Hold on, Hulk. I hate to interrupt you. We are getting, and I can't believe this, an unconfirmed report that the new World Wrestling Federation champion, Sergeant Slaughter, has just defaced the American flag. Now, that could just be a rumor. No, me, no, no, Mean Gene, let me tell you something. Sergeant Slaughter stealing the WWF title is one thing. But if Sergeant Slaughter has gone so far to deface Old Glory, to deface the red, white, and blue, brother, I don't care if it's legal or not, brother. Sergeant Slaughter, that would be the fate that would seal you in for good. And no matter what happens, Mean Gene, Sergeant Slaughter's reign as the WWF champion is going to be just like 
You know what, brother? I know exactly Sudan what... Sudan is going to be just like Sudan Hussein's reign over Kuwait, brother. It's going to be only temporary. Thank you, Hulk Hogan. And as Hulk Hogan's talking, uh, Mean Gene puts his hand to his ear and he goes, Whoa, 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 Hulk. I've just heard that Sergeant Slaughter's defaced the American flag. It may just be a rumor. Hulk Hogan's like, <laughs> No. No, Gene. It was like someone slapped his mother in the face. <laughs> oh, yeah. As Speaking as an American, I get it. That's We're yeah. pretty nuts about the flag over here. You, you do you take it serious. You really do. <laughs> there's probably not... There's not many other countries in the world that shows the flag like we do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, he, he sells it. <laughs> and he also says... Well, he messes his lines up. He says that, Slotus Rain will be temporary, like Saddam Hussein. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll splice it in. <laughs> oh, please, yeah, people need to hear that. So, yeah, now, time for the main event. It's the Royal Rumble match. I love it. It's my, fa- my favorite pay-per-view and definitely my favorite gimmick match. Now, you know, next to the money in the bank, but it's still yeah. number one. Well, this is what I always say. So, the, if you look at the uh, traditional uh, Big Four, um, like, I know Money in the Bank is now, like, the main one as well, like Big Five, but say we cut that out for now and we talk about the traditional Big Four, like Main Year, Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, WWE, uh, WWE would always have you believe that in order of, like, importance, they rank, I would say, Main Year, SummerSlam, Rumble, then Survivor Series. But if if you ask any wrestling fan, I truly believe they would all say that the Rumble's their favorite, then it's Mania, then it's SummerSlam, and then it's Survivor Series. I would say so. I mean, because you can... Like, I, I think Mania... Well, I think Mania would maybe, maybe be the default, but the problem is that... Uh, like, it, it really depends on the year. Whereas, like, Rumble, I feel like I'm always going to enjoy the Raw Rumble going into it no matter what, just for the mystery of it. Yeah, and um, I mentioned this in the uh, first episode I've done with um, UTT Rob, and uh, the Royal Rumble is the type of match you don't have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I put it on for some family members. Uh, you know, the Rumble just previously gone with Drew McIntyre winning it. And... Um, my uh, this my brother-in-law, he's not a wrestling fan, um, but he watched it and he like fully enjoyed it. And I think it is that type of match. It's simple, just you know, chuck it, uh, chuck everyone over the top rope. Last man remaining in the ring's the winner, and it's it's simple. And it's always the surprise of who's out next, sort of thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's actually how I got back into wrestling. Um, I was watching the Royal Rumble from 2012. Um, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I dig this. Cool. But yeah, so uh, we get into it. Uh, the first entrant out is uh, our favorite, Brett the Hitman Hart, the uh, tag team champion at the time. All right. Love me some Bret Hart. Uh, number two, he's joined by Dino Bravo, accompanied by Jimmy Hart. And uh, yeah, they start the match off. And uh, there's a spot. Uh, Grilla Monsoon says that in his book, if uh, neither he, he doesn't think neither Brett or Bravo will win the match. So I'm thinking, 
Yeah, that's a good way to build up your future stars. <laughs> yeah, what the heck, man? I mean, maybe he just wasn't thinking. Yeah. Oh, so either way, I'm like, that's that's yeah, that's a pretty rough way to start it off. <laughs> <laughs> Number three comes to the ring. It's the uh, Greg DMF Valentine, and uh, he comes in. Yeah, he eliminates uh, Dino Bravo pretty much straight away. Um, so Which is good. Yeah. No one cares about Dino Bravo. No. <laughs> Number four, it's uh, Paul Romer. He's accompanied by Slick, and uh, you notice on the outside, uh, Shane McMahon's on the outside again. So I doubt oh, it's like right. a, uh, he always seemed to be on the outside of the ring, like refereeing, like during the Survivor Series and Rumble matches. Yeah, might so, as well uh, get him out there. He's in the building. He wants to get some time. Yeah. Number five comes to the ring. It's the uh, Texas Tornado. He comes in, he hits some tornado punches on both uh, Roma and uh, Valentine. Uh, and uh, number six comes in, it's uh, Rick Martel, who gets uh, pretty big uh, booze from the fans. Oh, because he's so good at what he does. Everyone hates him. And uh, I also noticed that he actually tied his uh, mullet back in this match into like a nice little ponytail. Well, he's very fashionable, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number seven, um, Saba Simba, um, takes Gorilla a while to realize who it was. Uh, have you heard of Saba Simba before, Kevin? I have not. Who is that? Tell me more. Yeah, he, he was actually pretty well known. He's actually, uh, Tony Atlas. Oh, okay. And Tony Atlas was, uh, tag team champions with, uh, Rocky Johnson, The Rock's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was known as the Soap Patrol, and there was actually the first ever uh, African American uh, WWF uh, tag team champions. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't realize that. That makes that makes perfect sense. But I guess I didn't uh, know that little factoid. I love when you bring up these factoids. Yeah, and um, like uh, f- quite a few years later, in the oh seven oh eight, he actually came back and he became the manager of. Uh, Mark Henry, while Mark Henry was like the uh, ACW champion when they done the when they rebooted with ECW, and uh, yeah, he's made appearances here and there, sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, and they seem to cut it out this because I think in the original uh, video, when Saba Simba comes out, uh, Roddy Piper I think shouts out, "That's Tony Atlas." But for some reason, they've uh, cut it out of the uh, network version. So, um, oh, that's fair. I mean, I <laughs> they're like. His name is Saba Simba. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think are those like Saba Simba. The name sounds like two like two different names that I'm aware of for like a tiger or a lion or something. I wonder if that's yeah, what I that think, means. I'm intrigued. I think it's I think it's meant to be like you know the um, Zulus. Mm, that I makes sense. They're really playing pretty hard off the African theme. Yeah, so uh, I might be wrong, but I think that's what they was going for. Um, okay. But yeah. Uh, Number eight comes to the ring. It's uh, Bushwhacker Butch. And oh, yeah. The, yeah, uh, Simba, um, Tony Atlas goes to... Um, <laughs> Simba. <laughs> yeah, all I can think of is that. Like, Simba, you must watch over Pride Rock. <laughs> Simba, you must be careful when you eliminate Rick Martel. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he goes to eliminate Rick Martel, but Martel hangs onto the rope and... Uh, Simba ends up uh, falling over to the outside, so he's eliminated. Mm. <laughs> so long, Simba. <laughs> You're off to Number the nine. land of your dead ancestors now. <laughs> yeah. Like the Number movie. Nine. 
Number nine comes out. It's uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. He goes uh, right after Martel, but Martel, um, well, there you go. He gets a uh, ridden knee hit on Martel. Signals for the DDT, but Martel slides underneath the rope to run away from him. That's slippery uh, little man. Love Martel. Um, oh, he's great. He's great. I mean, he's he had a hell of a showing. We'll say that. Yeah. And uh, well, we said, didn't we, in our watch show, he was actually my surprise superstar of 1990. I didn't realize how good he actually was. He's very good. So um, that was him. Um, number 10 comes out, uh, Hercules. So both uh, Power and Glory's both in the ring. Yeah, so no, so I, when I watched we'll that, I was like, you're probably really excited about that, because uh, you like looking into them a little bit. So. Yeah, I like Power and Glory. Um, I still need to get around to getting that YouTube video out. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it'll I come. That, I promise everyone it will come out. I'm just, I'm not great at editing videos. Audio, I'm getting better, but videos, yeah, left to be decided, but I will get it out. Yeah, number 11 comes out, uh, Tito Santana, and he runs down the ring, uh, goes straight for Martel, but uh, during this time, uh, Jake actually eliminates uh, Paul Roma. So, um, yeah, that that was a short run for Power and Glory in the uh, Rumble together. <laughs> and number 12 comes out, uh, The Undertaker. So, um, makes his way to the ring. He uh, picks up Bret Hart in a, like a chokehold and, yeah, eliminates him. Oh yeah, that was that was heartbreaking. I was like, oh, and, and you know, oddly enough, I mean, I was, I, I don't know, I was thinking of the whole thing about the Montreal screw job and how Taker's like, oh, we've been together for such a long time, and maybe if, you know, Brett dropped the title to me instead of Sean, I could have given it to Sean, and and I was thinking of like just years of how the relationship, you know, was great, and uh, here is what I thought I was looking at was like the beginning of it with Undertaker throwing my hero Bret Hart out of the ring. And this is how it had to start, and it makes me sad. Yeah. This wasn't actually that much of a good show for Brett. Uh, he was in the ring for like 20 minutes, but he had like no eliminations. I thought he had a good showing. I mean, I'm not going to say he was, a, he was a star of it or anything like that, but I, I mean, he was there for a while, like you said. He was a workhorse. Cause I, yeah, and I, and I don't think he eliminated anyone, so that is true. <laughs> he actually does get a bit of a uh, evasion, though, when he uh, walks back to the crowd, uh, walks back to the uh, ramp from the crowd. Because so, amazing. Uh, well, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. I mean, it's, it is pretty sad that Brian Knobs got more eliminations than Bret Hart. <laughs> yeah. Number 13, Super Murderous. Sorry, I mean Superfly. <laughs> um, he's out. He's out. Uh, it's funny because uh, he killed someone. <laughs> yeah. Just so in case you all didn't know that, he did. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly he did. Um, according to the Dark Side of the Ring documentary. But he did. <laughs> Allegedly he did, but he yeah. definitely did. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, he came to the ring, the murderer, possible murderer. Murder, murder, murderer. <laughs> uh, as he gets to the ring, uh, Undertaker eliminates uh, Bushwacker Butch, so he's got two relations on his belt. And uh, number 14, British Bulldog, big smile on his face when he came out. Of course, the hero of the British. Oh, love British Bulldog, and uh, this is actually his first pay-per-view back since uh, Survivor Series '88. Mm, okay. Oh wow. Okay, that's been that's been a good while, and he had a good showing. I mean, he was in there. It looks like it was third most time of anyone. So, or no, fourth most time of anyone. So that's pretty good. 
Yeah, and um, well, his last pay per view was Survivor Series '88. The reason he left um, Dynamite Kids, uh, his tag team partner, got in trouble with the Rougeos. Uh, he was a bit of a bully backstage, and he ended up leaving, going to Edge. And um, yeah, um, but Bulldog wanted to leave and come back, so he actually trademarked because the tag team was originally called the British Bulldogs. Yeah, and. Uh, David Boy Smith trademarked the name for himself, uh, which a bit sly, but it was smart business, I suppose. Well, absolutely. And, uh, and uh, we mentioned it in the uh, SummerSlam episode. He was actually meant to uh, come back at SummerSlam and actually uh, face Mr. Perfect for the IC title, but they couldn't get the uh, visa sorted out so mm. till like the end of the year. So he just missed Survivor Series ninety, but yeah, he made it back for this uh, show, and yeah, and. Uh, since his last appearance, he put on about 40 pounds of muscle. So, yeah, he's um, looking he's a big boy. Um, so he comes out. Uh, number 15, uh, your favorite, Demolition Smash. Oh, of course. Every, of course is my favorite. Just kidding. He's really not my favorite. <laughs> he's, he was, he's entertaining though. I'll give you that. I love, I love a good little demolition. Um, as that's happening, uh, Rick Martel actually eliminates, uh, Jake Roberts. Good old Jakey the Snakey. And, uh, he was in actually for a quite... little bit. 12 minutes, 58 yeah. seconds. Yeah. And uh, Martel's quite pleased with himself when he eliminates Jake, which I love. He was so great. Rick Martel was so, so good in this match. Yeah. Number 16, um, Legion of Doom member, uh, Road Warrior Hawk. And um, did you ever hear the uh, Paul Heyman story when he talked about starting a promotion? I did not. What did he say? Someone said, I think this might have been mid-90s or like early 90s. Might have still been when he was in WCW. and uh, Or even like late 80s even. But anyway, they asked Paul Heyman, they said, if you could start a company and you could pick one wrestler to build your business round, uh, company around, who would it be? And he said, he said it'd be uh, Road Warrior Hawk. And he said, why? They said, And he just said, he said, he's a star. So, um, yeah, a bit of a weird choice. A lot weird. Because <laughs> yeah, you, you only really know him well for, for his tag team, but um, a lot of people said that you know he had the potential of being the big single star, but it just never happened. I mean, so, I guess, uh, but like that's that's a real bold claim, and I, I I could see that being that. I mean, that being the answer of a cocky man who feels like they could extract something from someone that other people haven't. But I mean, if this yeah. guy's really only known for being in the tag team scene. That's a silly pick. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, number 17, the uh, franchise, Shane Douglas. Yeah, I was really happy to see that. I was like, oh, get out of town. I usually associate with him with BCW more than anything, so I was, uh, you know, I was pretty excited to see that. Yeah. How long does he uh, look on this pay-per-view? Oh, my God, he looks crazy young, younger than Dustin. Yeah. That's what well, he looks he like actually- to me. Yeah, he was actually a uh, last-minute replacement because, uh, believe it or not, even though apparently, well, it looked like he retired at WrestleMania six, uh, Andre the Giant was meant to be coming, uh, returning for the Rumble. Yes, I remember reading about this at one point. And he had pro, he had pro, I was saying he was coming back, but I don't think medical would uh, clear him. And uh, they brought Shane Douglas in as a last-minute replacement, I suppose. So uh, this is a. Uh, He's wrestled in the last couple of dark, sh- uh, dark matches on the pay-per-view, but as for the actual pay-per-view himself, uh, this, uh, itself, this is actually his debut. Um, 
Well, he gets in the ring, but yeah, during this time as well, Undertaker eliminates uh, Kerry Von Erich and uh, Superfly, uh, sorry, uh, Hawk, Road Warrior Hawk eliminates the Super Murderer. So two eliminations there. <laughs> the, uh, the alleged Super Murderer. Alleged Super Murderer. Sure. Uh, so number number 18, uh, no one comes out, but if you look if you look closely, you can see uh, World War, uh, Legion Dean, World War Animal, peeping his head through the curtain. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was like he was going to come out, but someone held him back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it was actually... Being no show. It, it was actually meant to be uh, Macho King, Randy Savage. Yeah. Um, but by the sounds of it, the Ultimate Warrior ran him out of the uh, stadium. <laughs> so, um, the building. So hey, he got keeping with the storyline. Yeah, he got booze from the crowd. Uh, so yeah, um, that's that. And then like a few minutes later, number nineteen, Animal does eventually uh, go for the uh, go for the cat. And uh, him and Hawk eliminates uh, the Undertaker to big massive cheers. Um, but then um, Hawk immediately gets re- uh, eliminated by Martel and Hercules. Oh yeah, that happened real quick. He was only in there for about six minutes. Yeah. Who's your favorite LOD member, Hawk or Animal? Um, mm, Hawk. Oh. <laughs> Wait, yeah, um, hold on. So. Let me. Yeah, definitely Hawk. I I thought he had more personality. Yeah. That's how I always uh, felt about it. I, I remember a lot more tongues sticking out when Hawk was around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, that is my criteria of which one I like better. <laughs> <laughs> So number 20 comes out, it's uh, Demolition Crush. And uh, another thing I forgot to mention, uh, Kevin, uh, the last pay-per-view was actually Demolition Axis' last uh, pay-per-view with WWF. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, Why? Was it like a contract thing? Or? I missed it. Uh, yeah, there was a Could few things. Could have just been done, I guess. Well, the reason they made them a three-man team instead of a two-man team was because Axe was starting to get a little bit older. And I, I don't know, there was some health problems or stuff. Uh, but he was, uh, they, they was going to start moving him to be like a uh, backstage producer. And for some we- reason, that did not work out in the end. And he ended up uh, leaving. And um, he actually went ended up going to uh, Japan. And uh, he got a new demolition member. I think his name was Blast or Blaster, something like that. <laughs> well, what a great name. Yes. I hope that's the name, at least. So, uh, it was something about that. But, yeah, so uh, Demolition Axe there, uh, that was actually his last uh, pay-per-view, uh, the last uh, at Survivor Series 90. So, uh, I've enjoyed oh. uh, seeing him in these shows up to now. So, uh, he'll be yeah, he's missed there. Uh, he's been good as a part of the team, for sure. Yeah, so, well, yeah, 20 was Chris, and uh, 21 comes out. It's uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, yeah, big crowd reaction for Hacksaw. Oh, <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, again, super pro American crowd, but he always, he always played to him. Plus they like his, I don't know. He had kind of like an, an, a good old American man feel, especially with the two by four and how he'd like getting up like a, like a, like a football stance and he would like go to tackle and stuff. It just, I don't know. I can understand why the crowd loved him. Yeah. And, uh, number 22, uh, the earthquake. Uh, he comes in and he quickly eliminates uh, the animal with a uh, back body drop. So uh, I love the earthquake. Oh yeah, he's one of my MVP. 
Peas of uh, 1990. I loved him. So, um, he surprised me how good he was. Uh, number three, uh, 23, your favorite, Mr. Perfect. Oh, he's so awesome. I love that guy. My God, because he is perfect. I'll tell you what I did love. I don't know if you noticed it. When he was walking to the uh, ring, he, uh, threw his towel behind him and Bobby Heenan yeah. just catched it. I was thinking he threw it behind him and it was like as if, you know, I don't care where this towel lands or AKA or not even AKA or it was, I'm going to throw this and Bobby Heenan's definitely going to catch it because that's perfect. You know, just the attitude, the swag to do it. It was brilliant. Well, if not, how come his son didn't get an ounce of that charisma? (laughs) Yeah, Axel, no, no dice, man. No dice. I, but, I, I feel so, I feel so bad. It's just not even close. Talk about uh, failing your genes, man. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, believe it or not, they're actually the first, um, father-son combo to win Intercontinental titles. Well, uh, yeah. Actually, when I first started watching wrestling again, Axel was Intercontinental champion. And I was like, this guy? Doesn't seem that interesting. Um, I did not know that. That's a very interesting. Fact. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming Dusty was never Intercontinental Champion then. No, I don't think Dusty won a title in WWF at all. Mm, that sucks. Um, yeah. Like, because he won a lot of like NWA champions and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, that breaks my heart. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that fact. I'm like, really, nobody. <laughs> yeah. It's. It feels like it's a wasted kind of uh, accomplishment like father's son like Intercontinental Champions and it's Curtis Axel kind of feels yeah. wasted um, never mind <laughs> but, but yeah uh, Perfect comes in and he eliminates uh, Hacksaw so Hacksaw's gone and uh, number 24 Hulk motherfucking Hogan enters the ring and to a massive ovation oh of course he's amazing and he did you know he did great uh, he had another, he was another one that had a very good showing so I mean, it's, you know, it's not surprising. He's everyone's favorite. Yeah, he um, comes to the ring, he, uh, elimination, he eliminates uh, Demolition Smash, and uh, yeah, Big Hogan chants during this. Uh, number 25 comes in, it's Haku, and uh, Hogan then eliminates uh, Greg Diamavantine as well, so uh, he's getting on a bit of a streak. Uh, number 26, one of your favorites, uh, The Anvil. Jim the Anvil Nightheart coming through to avenge his buddy Bret Hart's early exit. It was uh, it was nice to see the Anvil get in there, but yeah. it didn't have the star power for me. <laughs> but I like him. Yeah, when he does that laugh, <laughs> I can't. I can't. I, I can't do it. I wish I could. Only the Anvil, you know. Only he can do it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm, I must have missed it. Did I miss him coming into the ring sometime? Uh, oh no no I didn't no no I've oh bushwhacker Luke uh, no 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 um, I thought I missed him entering the ring I didn't uh, Tito Santana um, oh but he, okay he gets he gets eliminated by earthquake but I'm thinking did I mention Tito Santana coming to the ring but I did <laughs> uh, but yeah no number twenty seven bushwhacker Luke uh, <laughs> this is my favorite elimination of the night he marches to the ring gets and um, uh, basically <laughs> earthquake walks in out the ring and he uh, he throws him over and he ke- Luke keeps uh, carries on marching. <laughs> that's yeah, that's my favorite elimination of all time. Um, I mean, like yeah. I know, I know that like, one of my favorite sequences was a couple of years ago when Heath Slater kept trying to get to the ring, but he kept getting beaten up before he could get up and actually get into the ring. 
But like that was pre elimination yeah. part. This one for an actual elimination by far my favorite. Yeah, I think you lasted all the best of uh, three seconds. So um. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the record for a long time. But uh, it was. Then I I think they I didn't like San, uh, uh, Santino break it. Yeah. Like as soon as he got in, like Seamus kicked him out or something. I forget what it was. It was something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah. It was, looks like it was, it's officially recorded at four seconds. All right. <laughs> right now, Number the 20. Bushwhacker Luke. Yeah. Number twenty-eight comes in. Nasty boy uh, Brian Nobbs, and uh, we mentioned that Eddie was the uh, honky tonk man's replacement, but he gets in the ring and yeah, he eliminates uh, Hercules. So uh, he gets a quick elimination, and uh, number twenty-nine comes out. Our favorite, the Warlords. <laughs> Oh, of course, of course. Any man with a staff, I'm going to be a big fan of. Um, he comes in, he attacks the British Bulldog. Uh, what I'm going to say to you, Kevin, is get used to that, because the Warlord and the British Bulldog uh, crosses paths many times in 1991. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You want to give the British Bulldog some kind of beefy uh, heel opponent, and the Warlord is was pretty pretty jacked, and I liked, I liked him enough in the ring. He wasn't great, but... Uh, I thought he was uh, thought he was okay, so I, I could see why they would put the British Bulldog against him for um, a marriage, as as they say. Yeah, and um, yeah, uh, while this happening, um, Hogan eliminates Demolition Chris, and uh, then the uh, Hogan actually uh, clotheslines the Warlord out, so the Warlord doesn't last long at all. No, but he's uh, recorded at a minute thirty-five in the ring. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the lowest ones in the um, whole Rumble. But- yeah. And, uh, yeah, number 30 spot goes to uh, old Tuggers himself, uh, the tugboat. And, uh. <laughs> Man, he, he goes, watches uh, everything he does, that guy, I tell you. Yeah, he goes, um, well, he goes straight for the earthquake. Um, Brian Nobbs eliminates, uh, Shane Douglas. Uh, he must have had a good, uh, he had a good run, didn't he, Kevin? Shane Douglas? Oh, Shane Douglas? Oh, yeah, he was in there for what's recorded as, uh, 26 minutes and 23 seconds. So, pretty good showing for him. I mean, he's definitely in the top half of, uh, of time in the match. I mean, he spent longer time in there than, like, uh, like, a, like an earthquake, um, Texas tornado. He's in there longer than Bret Hart, you know, so he had a pretty good showing. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is his uh, last pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, what a heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, well, he actually had uh, good reasons for leaving. It was to look after his dad because his, dad, his dad's uh, health was failing him. Hey, it's a great uh, So uh, he left and then uh, eventually made his way to uh, WCW before making it to ECW where he uh, made his name, basically became the franchise. And yeah, eventually... Uh, we will see him again. He does eventually come back into the WWF in 95, 96 under a mm-hmm. different gimmick. So, uh, not the last we'll see a Douglas, but yeah, good showing for him tonight. Unfortunately, it's his, uh, one and only, uh, pay-per-view. So that's him. Uh, Tug, uh, Tugboat, uh, yeah, Tugboat tries to eliminate Hogan, uh, but no success. But then Hogan comes back and, uh, throws him out. So, yeah, uh, you know how Hogan does. You know how he do, he mess you up when you try to get rid of Hogan. Yeah, uh, this is actually the third pay-per-view in the year where, um, in the row where Hogan's eliminated one of his best friends from the Rumble. Um, <laughs> Hogan's out for Hogan. It. We all know that. Yeah, well, in 89, he eliminated Savage. 90, Warrior. And now 91, uh, Tugboat. 
Um, as that's happening, the uh, British Bulldog drop kicks out uh, Mr. Perfect. Mm, that one, that one hurt me a bit because even though I like the British Bulldog quite a bit, I like Mr. Perfect significantly more. <laughs> so that hurt. And uh, Rick Martel um, also eliminates uh, the Anvil as well, and then um, British Bulldog eliminates um, Haku. Oh yeah, that's that's a bold move. Whenever I see Haku, I can only think of all the real life uh, shoot stories of how tough that guy is. So I'm like, man, whenever, like, there was a point where Hogan and Haku were trading jabs back and forth. I was like, man, considering how tough Haku is, do you think, like, Hogan's like, yo, I better not punch this guy in the face the wrong way. Otherwise, I'm going to get torn apart. I don't know. Maybe that's just me as an outside rube thinking about this. But, man, that could... so every time I hear his name, I think he's that tough. And hopefully Bulldog gently, gently got him out of the ring. Yeah. And uh, we're down to the, uh, I suppose, the final uh yeah, the final um, five, you could say. Um, so we're down to Hogan, British Bulldog, Earthquake, Martel, and Nobbs. Uh, and yeah, the British Bulldog eliminates uh, Rick Martel. Which, that's pretty impressive, because Martel, if you didn't know, longest time in the Rumble during this match at 52 minutes and 17 seconds. Next closest was uh, the Hammer, actually, at 44 minutes, funny enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was the uh, the longest time that anyone had spent in a Royal Rumble match up to this point. So Rick Martel became the record holder at that point. Yeah, I got a uh, big reaction as well. So he definitely done his job, and uh, he done great tonight. Um, oh, he's amazing. Well, yeah. well then, uh, Earthquake and Brian Nobbs eliminates uh, the British Bulldog. Uh, so uh, not a bad return uh, to the WWF on pay-per-view for him. Had a couple of... Big eliminations, I suppose. He eliminated both uh, Perfect and Martel, and uh, I think he eliminated someone else at the time. But uh, he had a good show and getting to the final four. Um, but yeah, um, that happened. And then Craig uh, and Nobbs tries to uh, well, they double team Hogan. Craig uh, does his score or stomp? Uh, does he splash uh, as they as they pose in there? Uh, Hogan hooks up, big boots Nobbs out the ring, and then he uh, goes to body slam. Craig, uh, but Craig falls on him, drops two elbow drops, yeah. followed by a power slam, but then Hogan hulks up, and uh, you know the rest, punch, 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 Irish whip, big boot, body slam, and then he clotheslines him up the ring, and that, and that's out the main event. <laughs> and the <laughs> winner is your real American, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> of course, and, of course. And uh, I, I suppose you could say this is uh, the blow-off for the Earthquake and uh, Hulk Hogan feud now. Yeah, I'd say so. And, uh, yeah, it was good. But, yeah, Hulk Hogan's the winner. And, um, he's and he was great. the right winner. Like, yeah. I think so. Yeah, he uh, he definitely was. He uh, grabs a couple of signs. One says, peace in the Middle East. And the other says, slaughter and Saddam will surrender. Uh, grabs the American flag and uh, celebrates and uh, yeah, um, good rumble. Absolutely, I thought I thought it was a pretty good rumble overall. I think it was lacking. Um, I, I guess I'd say at the time it was lacking star power. So that's kind of the the only thing yeah. that I would say is kind of down on it. But overall, it was enjoyable. I thought it was you know paced fairly well. Um, I don't know, and it had the right winner, which I always think really. Just makes it. If if a rubble ends with a really bad winner, it just it ruins the whole thing. So I uh, yeah. I I appreciated it. 
Yeah, it was um, it was a good run, but I enjoyed it. And uh, I I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as um, the 1990 Rumble, uh, the match itself. Um, I think overall the pay per view was better. But as for the Rumble match itself, and even like some of the promos, I actually enjoyed 1990 more. If I had to say which one was better, but it was still a good uh, Rumble. I really did enjoy it, and uh, yeah, it was a good show overall. So uh, yeah, yeah, well. Um, what do you got? We'll uh, get down to uh, some awards, Kevin. Yeah, we'll give out some gold. So, uh, first of all, the night your match tonight. Oh, uh, match the night for sure is the, the Rockers vs. The Orient Express. That was most entertaining. There was enough like false finishes that I was genuinely guessing. Because back then it was. I don't know, it, it wasn't as difficult, I think, in my opinion, to read a match. Um, whereas in that one, I, I, was, I was a little surprised on a few occasions. And Shawn Michaels' selling was was amazing. He did that fun, he did that turnbuckle spot I love, where he gets whipped into it, and then he just does like two flips, even though you you don't know how he how he can manage that in such a short period of time. Um, overall, that that one by far is my favorite one in uh, as far as how it played out considering how much time it had. What do you think, sir? What do you think is going to be your match of the night? Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you. Even though I do love Royal Rumbles and my favorite match of all time. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I would say the tag team match was the match of the night. It, re- it was a really good match, and uh, I probably didn't do it any justice like uh, the way I went over the match, but it, it was really good. I really enjoyed it, and it was a it was a good win for the Rockers because we said 1990 was a really bad year for the Rockers, so yeah. uh, they needed this win. So uh, it was a good win for them to get them back the things. And uh, it wasn't just the Rockers that was good. The Orient Express played their part. They was really enjoyable to watch as well. So um, definitely. yeah, match, definitely the match of the night. And uh, second award is your moment of the night. Ooh, that's a tougher one. Moment of the night, eh? I mean. <laughs> I guess you always go with, fun, with what's really funny and what what's the serious moment of the night, I guess. Because, like, I have a lot of goofy, funny ones. Like, for some reason, I thought the Fuji with the cane thing was funny, even though I guess it really wasn't. Um, hmm. I, I – it's not really a mo- – I mean, I don't know. The Sherry, the Sherry and the Warrior thing was, like, just obscure enough for me. But I'm just going to go with the monument, the monumentous one to make it easy because even though I see it as a joke now – I know at the time, people lost their minds for Virgil throwing down the title, or the million-dollar title at DiBiase's feet. So I'm going to yeah. have to go with the monumentous and historical one for sure um, in yeah. by choosing that one. Um, <laughs> that was good to think of Sherry dropping to these. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, um, that's that's yeah. my joke answer, I guess. Like, then Warrior yeah. yelling in her face. Like, I just think it's so funny. But I'm like, you know what? I'll go with the classy, probably proper answer. Yeah, I think um, uh, my moment night. Um, I've had the cheese, really. Um, yeah, I'll probably just say. Um, hmm, I'll probably say Hogan winning the Rumble. To be honest, it was actually a pretty good moment, and it was, uh, good it was a shame they never brought the rule in. Uh, this time yet, like the winner of the Rumble would face the champion at Mania. Um, mm. That rule wasn't that wasn't brought 
until 93. Uh, so, and it would have been perfect time to bring it in now because obviously he goes on to WrestleMania to challenge Sergeant Slaughter. So um, it would have been a good time to bring it. But yeah, I would say that's mine. And um, yeah, so um, that's them. And uh, oh, your MVP of the night. Ooh, MVP of the night. Because I try to go for, usually when there's an MVP of the night, I usually try to go for longevity if they've been participating in a few different things. Um, poof. I have a few different ways I could really go in this regard. Because I think yeah. there was a clear MVP of the Rumble. Um, but, I, you know, obviously that wasn't the only one. Basically, I'm stuck between three different names, and I will go ahead and I'm going to go with Sergeant Slaughter. I'm oh, going with Sergeant Slaughter because um, I think he had a good match. I think he made Warrior look strong, which is good. Um, but mainly because of the brass balls that he had to go in there and win the title against Warrior while having a very strong anti-American traitor background. Not just, like, anti-American. As a traitor to America background so like the idea that he was in the arena till you know in the early morning <laughs> as a result in fear i'm just like you know what good for you man you could you have to you have to get out of that arena with basically your balls in a wheelbarrow because that was that took a lot of cojones so i'm going to give him the mvp just because of that who would you give the yeah. mvp to uh, i've got two uh i've got me winner uh but me runner up is the the matcher man because i actually enjoyed watching them but it's a shame he wasn't in the Rumble as well. And maybe he was my third Warrior. name. Yeah. Uh, and maybe have the Warrior distract him to eliminate him sort of thing. Exactly. That would work. Um, but my winner is, and I didn't want to do it because I don't want to pick the same winner twice in a row, but I had no choice because I found him so good. It had to be Rick Martel. Yeah, he was my second choice. He's, he was so good. And uh, he's been consistently good in every uh, pay-per-view watch. And as much as I love um, Mr. Perfect being IC champion, which I do, um, they really should have given Martel run with an IC title. I personally think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mr. I mean, Mr. Perfect was great, so it's tough that you would. I mean, it's it's a shame that you would have to you know ever choose between yeah. the two. But like as as you just said, Rick Martel was like consistently delivering on just being outstanding. So, you know, if it would have been nice if they could have found a way, but it's so tough when you have these two heel guys that are, you know, these narcissistic jerks that are basically the same kind of-ish character. Yeah. You know, unless, and, you, uh, unless you had Mr. Perfect take a run at the head, the main title, but he's, they probably thought he was too small. Yeah, probably. Um, but, yeah, he was definitely me. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't want to pick the same person two uh, shows in a row, but I had to pick him because... Uh, he was just so entertaining, like his promos, uh, his uh, like uh, the way he acted in the ring, and obviously his longevity in the ring. So I had to pick him, and uh, yeah, and then our last award, your mullet of the, of the night. Oh, Rick Martel's ponytail um, mullet. I'm gonna give him credit for tying that baby up. <laughs> it's he, got, he kept that one hidden for the night, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that one for now. Yeah, and uh, I like it. Um, oh, what well, who is it now? Um, I think I picked the uh, the Undertaker. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, well, it's true. Taker, yes. that was fresh Taker, the resting in peace Taker. 
Yeah, he had his uh, big uh, ginger mullet. So, um, yeah. yeah, that was him. Before he so started, like, dying it. Yeah. So, yeah, and uh, just a quick one, Kevin. We've got a couple of uh, fan questions. Um, mm-hmm. You'll enjoy this one by UTT Rob. Um, could uh, Would uh, WWF have made the uh, Shockmaster gimmick work? No. <laughs> <laughs> no one could have made that crap work, especially after its appearance. Who, I wouldn't, like, who the hell thought that a Stormtrooper helmet covered in glitter was going to work? WCW. <laughs> that was insane. It was so clearly a Stormtrooper helmet. Like, what were they going for? <laughs> like, yeah. now, especially after the appearance, of course, where he fell right away. Like, yeah. once that happens, how do you, how do you recoup that? You can't. No. So, th- there's a story. I've been saving this for a while now, and this is the perfect time to say it now. So, originally, Sergeant Slaughter wasn't the first choice to beat the Ultimate Warrior for the title. Yeah. And he wasn't the first choice to have the uh, traitor gimmick. Who was? <laughs> Tugboat? Yes. I don't care. See, like, I, I'm glad they didn't go with him, because I wouldn't care if Tugboat was a traitor. <laughs> yeah, uh, do, you, do you know what they were still call him? Uh, the U-boat. <laughs> Sheik tugboat. <laughs> Sheik tugboat. Yeah. So the story was that is weird. He was going to turn on Hogan because obviously they was portraying best friends at the time. Yeah. And he got injured before SummerSlam, which we both know he was meant to be Hogan's second, but ended up becoming the uh, big boss man, and he got injured beforehand. Yeah. And um they was thinking about it back then, but for one thing or another it didn't work out and at the same time Sergeant Slaughter became available and obviously they must have saw the signs and thought, well, uh for years, like, because obviously Slaughter was in the WWF before Hogan even and he portrayed like the all American, like, you know, army veteran. Oh, yeah. And they must and they must have thought, right, if we bring him back and there's this trade, it's going to, uh, you know, it's going to take off. So uh, that's what it went. So, yeah, that was originally going to be uh, the deal. That, yeah, Sheik Tugboat <laughs> was going to be the WF champion. So, um, yeah. And, uh, I, that that uh, sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. Second question is from Ali Maker. Um, who was the artist who made the um, Royal Rumble posters for 91? Um, I hope so you actually, know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, had to do some research list because it's not. It wasn't very easy to find. So the name of the artist was. Let me just right now. I did have it. Uh, Joe Jisco, and um, I think you've seen the poster for ninety nine, uh, the nineteen ninety one Rumble ninety two, and it's kind of got like a like a warriors type of uh, detail to it. Yeah. I've um, seen it. Yeah, it's a great poster, and he's, I think he's done some work for, with Marvel as well, doing uh, the Hulk and things like that. And, uh, like I said, he he done Rumble 91, done Rumble 92. I think he done Survivor Series 94. I can't be 100% sure, but he done a couple. Uh, but a couple of years ago, um, last year even, uh, the, um, WWE, uh, they brought out like a similar poster when they done the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, it had like Sephirons on the front and things like that. I think it was the 2019 one and it was, and it was, uh, 
another person called Stephen Charney, who, and I think he done work for like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Indiana Jones, and like Deadpool. Um, so yeah, so I thought I'd just throw it out there, and yes, that's it. Was so yeah, the guy who actually done the original posters was a guy named Joe Jusco, and uh, he's supposed to be this famed comic and fantasy artist. Um, I'm not really too much into my artwork, but like I do enjoy them posters. So uh, yeah, they're nice yes. posters. I'm not I'm not terribly into them either. Yeah, so um, that was it. But yeah, a bit of a long episode. This one, Kevin, I think it's the longest menu you've ever done. Really? Um, but yeah, it seemed so, like it flew by. Yeah, well, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, thanks very much, Kevin. And yeah, have you got a message for all our beautiful listeners out there? Uh, <laughs> no particular message at this time, other than I hope you enjoyed the the podcast while we went through the Royal Rumble because I thought this was really fun. And uh, of course, as it is the 4th of July and this being a very patriotic themed one. Hopefully that helped tie it together for you a little bit. Well, I guess you'll be listening to this a little bit later than the 4th of July, but know that there was patriotism in my heart as an American, as I thought of these matchups and watched the warrior lose the ultimate puke lost to the traitor. And that was heartbreaking. <laughs> Maybe you all <laughs> can get into my head space and feel similarly about it when you watch. And yeah. And, uh, my message to everyone, uh, like I said, I thank them every day, but I thanks to all the listeners who we've got, who listens to the show, who supports us, and uh, it means a lot. And if you could, you know, hit that subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to and like and spread the word, it means a lot. Uh, I've, I don't know how many quality on the uh, microphones that sounds tonight, but I've uh, invested in the new microphones, so uh, hopefully you keep supporting the channel and we can try and... Uh, improve uh, everything for you and uh, yeah we're just thankful and next show we'll be reviewing is uh, Wrestlemania 7 which is possibly the most patriotic Wrestlemania there's ever, ever been <laughs> and boy do I love patriotism <laughs> and uh, I've, I've I've never actually watched that Wrestlemania so it's going to be completely new to me I've neither got- have I so I'm, I'm excited that we're going to finally be on the same level with pay-per-views where we I, like you haven't seen it and I haven't seen it yeah, I've got an idea of a couple of the results and things like that, but I've never actually watched the pay-per-view itself. So, uh, but 91's a good year, so I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, so that's us. Uh, so yeah, Kevin, do you want to tell everyone your social media? Oh, sure. Yeah. If you want to, um, basically, if you want to write anything to me on Twitter, um, get me at the bat pro, which is, uh, you know, the, then bat with two T's and just pro. Um, or you can, uh, always find me on YouTube, which is probably my, my main thing to, if you're interested in any kind of like nerdy stuff, like Game of Thrones, anime, Walking Dead, Star Wars, stuff like that. It's, uh, youtube.com slash the bat productions, kind of like my Twitter handle, two T's for the bat. Um, yeah. So uh, if you come over there, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, but of course I'm more concerned about you listening and enjoying this podcast. <laughs> cool. And, uh, you can follow me at, at 90s Wrestling Pod. Um, but we have got some news. So, because uh, the podcast has went a different way, we've actually, thankfully, we've started getting interviews with uh, some famous wrestling personalities from the past, present, and the future. Um, we will be possibly renaming the show soon. Now, we are going to be keeping that 90s Wrestling Podcast. That's going to be still part of it, and that's still the main focus. 
but we'll be think we will possibly be having a new kind of umbrella name, which will cover the other aspects of the show, like interviews and even covering possibly some current stuff as well. So uh, we'll keep everyone up to date with that. But at the minute, you can still find me at Nineties Wrestling Podcast, and uh, if you want to ask me anything, and yeah. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Hope you mm-hmm. enjoyed it, and we'll see everyone soon. All right, take care, everybody. Bye. Right, uh, so cool.